Welcome. Good morning. Well, I hope all of us are full of candy this morning. <laughs> Let's stand and worship God together. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. Sounds as music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because He first loved me, it tells me of the Savior's love who died to set me free. Tells me of his precious blood, a sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because he first loved me. It tells me what my Father has in store for every day. Though I tread a darksome path, you'll sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because He first loved me. It tells me one who's loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Who with his sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first
people life is old Time for me shall be no more Guide me gently, safely o'er To thy kingdom shore to thy shore Just a closer walk with me Jesus is my need Daily walk is close to Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, for this wonderful life. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for this salvation we have in Jesus, forgiveness of sins, strength in this life, hope for the life to come. Thank you. We pray, Father, for our nation this week as we choose leaders. We pray for wisdom and discernment for peace and unity, for the ability to disagree and stand together. Help us, Father, to show that this way is the way for nations to follow. Guide us, Father. As always, we worship you. We commit our lives to you. We welcome you into our lives. Be with us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to sing and worship God together. streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in this desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Be 
Blessed be your name on the robot with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise When the darkness closes in Lord Till I will sing Blessed be the name
Pray with me, please. Our gracious Heavenly Father, in this time of pandemic, economic unrest, and social unrest, political upheaval, give us peace. And as you give us peace, help us to share that peace and share what we have to make comfort and peace to all. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, continuing in our series, God's Word, The Path to Life. So today we're going to talk about peace. How do you get along when there's no reason to get along? I could not have timed this more appropriately, could I? We fuss about everything. So today, as we study God's Word, giving us a path to peace on this earth, we learn some things that are sometimes pretty hard to learn, hard to hear, even harder to do. Ephesians chapter 2. Hold your Bibles open. As always, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Be in special prayer for Rose Hart, our 
church office manager, you know Rose, and she's had some major surgery over the week, and she's still in the hospital. She may be driving home by now, I don't know, but uh, be in prayer for her recovery. She'll be out of the office for two or three weeks, and so be in prayer for her, if you would, please. Also pray for our nation. Big week. We may know next week who the winner is, and that's a scary thing. Uh, so pray for our nation. Pray that we can all act as adults. You know, this thing we call democracy as a republic, it isn't easy. That's why no one else does it. And there are many examples in history of people who have tried to do this and it has failed. So pray that our nation can stand. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to live in this time and in this place. For all its flaws, we are free. We eat, we sleep in comfort. We are safe. We are blessed, Father, to be in this nation. Thank you. We thank you for this great nation and for what we've accomplished over the years. We ask for mercy for our sins. They are many. We ask for your continued blessing. We ask, Father, that you would help us to see our sin for what it is. Help us to repent and change. Help us to be the people of God. We know that we're not a Christian nation, never have been. But still, Father, there are over 50 million people who follow Jesus in this nation. Enable us to be a guide. Give us wisdom a voice of peace and reason, a voice of kindness and forgiveness. Father, in our nation are many who struggle. In our congregation are those who struggle. We've mentioned Rose. Heal her from her surgery and give her good recovery. We know others in our congregation are facing difficult circumstances and surgeries. Make your presence known to them. Provide healing where that is needed. Comfort and peace too. We pray for our families as they struggle. We pray, Father, for our soldiers, our first responders, those in health care. We pray for them. Give them endurance. Keep them safe. Father, we pray for an end to this pandemic. Guide those researchers who are working on vaccines. Give them success. Help us, Father. As always, be with us as a nation. Give us wisdom in choosing leaders. Give us the ability to compromise, to be gracious in victory or defeat. Help us, Father, to see all people as creations of God. Help us to recognize sin and turn away from it. Help us to be gracious and kind and forgiving to those who sin. Thank you, Father, for this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you've read the same news stuff I've seen. People fighting over everything. 
interestingly enough, as we go into the holiday season, it's a holiday too, by the way, that we're now being taught how to get along with your neighbors and how to get along with your friends. And there were, there's been special things on in the last couple of days on the news about how to get along with family and how you should talk to them and all those kinds of things. I just thought you were supposed to sit down and be nice. That's no longer effective, evidently. But anyway, a lot of things teaching us how to be nice and those kinds of things. But in the middle of all those things are other stories of people who are so convinced of the wisdom of their political position that they must impose that on other people. So there was one woman, I don't remember her name, doesn't matter. She made national news and she's got gazillions of likes, if that means anything, which means a lot of people have read her stories, what that means. And she was bragging about the fact that her father was dying. Now, that wasn't what she's bragging about. But in his dying days, the last days on earth, she spent her time with her dying father, harassing him about his political views, making it her goal. She said it was her life's goal to convince her father to, com to change his political will. And I thought, wow, you missed it. A dying father on his last days with his daughter. And all she could think about was arguing politics. Now, who lost there? You know. Politics are important, I get it. But there are some things more important than those differences, aren't there? Relationships, the ability to value those relationships, and even more importantly, the willingness to work for peace in those relationships. And sometimes it's hard. So today we're going to talk about peace and relationships, peace on this earth. And interestingly enough, the Bible has a lot to say about living in peace with each other and how you can do it. So follow along with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 2, or read verses 13 through 16. You may find it interesting that in the early church, the followers of Jesus had a real difficult time getting along with each other. There was no peace in the early church. Ephesians 2, I'll read, reading verses 13 through 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, had been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death their enmity." So in the early church, remember, whenever you read one of these epistles, letters to the church, it was in response to a situation. So if you pay attention to what you read, you can see what's going on. You read it and go backwards just a little bit. So here's the situation. Jewish people got saved. They accepted the message that Jesus was Messiah. They received Jesus as Savior. They got saved. They received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized. They were Christians. And then there were non-Jewish people just like them, but they weren't Jews. They didn't have any Jewish heritage, no Jewish history. They did not appreciate Jewish stories. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob meant nothing to them, but they were good folk, and they got saved. They received Jesus as Savior. They received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the faith, and they came to work and worshiped together, and it wasn't working. So here's the situation. The Jewish people thought that since they had the gift of the oracles of God, and that's how they phrased it, that they were better. Their heritage was better because they had this long lineage, a thousand years of following Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they called the prophets their prophets, and they called the Old Testament their writings, the oracles of God. And they claimed Jewish history as their own. 
And then there were those Gentiles. They didn't care about Jewish heritage at all. They weren't purposely ignorant or unkind. It just wasn't their story, so they didn't care. They had their own culture, by the way. The Jewish people had their culture wrapped up in religion and the practices of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the, and the ten, uh, temple and the synagogue and all those kinds of things, and that was their culture. For their part, the Gentiles had a different culture. They had grown up different, going to different kinds of temples. They weren't Christian. They weren't Jewish, their heritage anyway. And they grew up with all kinds of practices that were seen as unseemly and Gentile and pagan and separated from God. And so there were people on one side claiming that they had something special because they received Jesus and they had Jewish heritage. And there were people on the other side claiming that they were just as equal, that they had the faith in Jesus, that they had the Holy Spirit, and they were studying the New Testament letters just like the Jewish people, and they hated each other. And it really was that simple. I mean, you can dress it up in lots of nice terms, but it was cultural elitism, it was racism, it was ethnocentrism, all those big terms that we use today to point about why people dislike other people. That was what was going on in the early church. So Paul did these things. He made this argument that helped them to understand the situation. So if you would on screen, we'll see these things. A life of faith can lead us to a sense of peace in this life. This is why the gospel makes a difference. When you follow Jesus, you are given a foundation for peace. Peace doesn't mean you agree on all things. Peace doesn't mean you set aside your differences and just make nice. You know, we want to be that way sometimes. In the, and I mentioned those clips in the news about how to get along with family. Don't bring up issues. And a typical one, don't talk religion and politics with your family and all those kinds of things. And none of those things work, of course. So on screen... As we go to peace in the church, go to that next slide, please. These are some of the things that can help us. And this is the rationale that Paul gave these people. So look at verse 13, please, again, if you would. Still Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those who were formerly far off are Gentiles. Remember, the Jewish people had an inn. They'd been God's people all their lives. They thought they were special. And in a sense, they were. They were God's chosen ones and all those kinds of things. And they'd held a special place in God's plan for centuries. So they'd been taught when the, from the time they were little boys and little girls, Grandpa would stand up in meals and they would recount the story of the Exodus and how God chose them and used Moses to bring them out of Egypt, and etc., and all the whole stories that you've heard about. And so they were taught that they were better than others. Now, that really isn't what God intended, but it's what they picked up. You know how it is in that story of gossip, things grow. Over the centuries, what happened was the Jewish people, and this was the official line, it became the idea that God chose them to be a chosen people to be separate. Of course, that's not what God chose, was it? God chose them to be a people who would witness to the world of God's love and grace. That's not what they did. Instead, they isolated themselves and they built up these barriers for all sorts of reasons to keep those big, bad Gentiles out of the way. And in this passage, Paul was talking to the Gentiles now who had been told they were less than 
that their culture was less than, that their ways was less than the Jewish people. And he says to those people, you who were formerly far off, the Gentiles that weren't as good, that weren't as cultured, that didn't have this history, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. In other words, all of a sudden, what had happened was the Gentile people that were separated from God and unequal to Jews had been brought in. And all of a sudden, literally, they were equal with God's people. In fact, they were God's people. And this was brand new, and this was revolutionary in that world because everybody knew that the Jewish people thought they were special. And everybody hated them because of that. And they were isolated from people because of that. It was clear the Jewish people weren't like everyone else. At least this is what they said. That was the official line. And they were better. And then Paul says, But you, who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So... Jesus Christ shed blood on a cross made those that were separate from God and separate from God's people. The blood of Jesus brought them into the fold. Not their intelligence, not their essential equality as human beings, but the blood of Jesus. So that thing that separated them was all of a sudden washed away. And we, it, it's probably difficult for us to understand just how profound a message this was because the Gentiles, even though they were in the church, were inferior, they thought. They had been taught that. For years they were taught that they were secondary citizens. The citizens, yes, you're Christians, be a nice boy and be quiet. But now Paul said, no, you are equal with them because of the blood of Jesus. So here's the big deal. They were not equal with Jews because they were smart or intelligent or anything else. They were equal with Jews because of the blood of Jesus. So this is Paul's rationale for peace, the blood of Jesus. The gospel is God's way of bringing us together because the gospel makes heritage and history and past practices irrelevant. You've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So he was comforting the Gentiles who were near by the blood of Jesus, but he was challenging the Jewish Christians you're not special. Get over yourself. And that's exactly how they took it. They did not like this message. The church struggled for decades on this idea that Jewish Christians were equal to non-Jewish Christians. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear that Jewish Christians were better than, that their culture was better than. And they didn't want to hear it. In fact, as if you remember, even in the book of Acts, God's people struggled often. And finally, they had to make some compromises in practice because the Jewish Christians did not want to acknowledge that Gentile Christians were equal. But the official report was, well, listen, they follow the gospel just like you. They receive Jesus as the Savior just like you. They receive the Holy Spirit just like you. And the official word from those disciples were, they are just like you in every way. And it didn't go over very well. But in Jesus, there was reason for peace. Next on screen, lasting peace is based in Jesus. Go back to that second one. Look at verse 14 with me, please. Still in Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Now, it's interesting. He goes on to define the dividing wall as the Old Testament system, the law and commandments. Remember what Jesus said? What's the most important commandment, Jesus? Love God with all your heart your soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't mention the Ten Commandments. 
He didn't mention the Torah. He didn't mention all the things that all good Jews knew. Instead, love God, love people. When you do that, this is Jesus, you fulfill the whole law. So Jesus made it simple. Jesus dispatched all the rules. Now, the reason Jesus was so obvious about that, and the reason that Jesus, I mean, that Paul mentioned here that the commandments were the dividing thing was because people took those rules and ideas that were meant to guide them and instruct them, and they made them a rule, a dividing line. This is what we do, isn't it? If you go to school, you become smarter than your friends who didn't go to school. Ever notice that? Now, you didn't, of course. You just went to school. It's hard for some, some people. I've had this discussion with my California contingent friends and neighbors and family members, and we have this discussion, and they mention the, the ignorant peoples that disagree with them. And I always challenge them. I said, listen, the fact that someone doesn't have an education doesn't mean they're unintelligent. It just means they're not necessarily educated like you. And it's taken a decade of vigorous discussion for them to acknowledge that maybe people that disagree with them can be intelligent. You see, we have these rules, and we tend to separate ourselves by these rules. And this is exactly what the Jewish people had done with the Ten Commandments. Rather than following God's lead and developing moral and ethical lives, they used the rules to attack people and condemn them. And because the Gentile people didn't follow the Ten Commandments, and why would they? They're Jewish rules. And because the, the Gentile Christians didn't follow the routines in the Old Testament for worship and clothing and holy days and all those kinds of things, why would they? Well, they weren't Jewish. The Jewish people said, see, you're not as good as us. Paul said, nonsense. Jesus broke down that barrier. This is why you and I don't memorize Ten Commandments. We talk about them, but we don't put them on the wall because we follow Jesus. We're not God's people because we know the Ten Commandments. We're God's people because we follow Jesus. You see, Jesus is the rationale for peace. The foundation for peace isn't rules and morality. The foundation for peace is Jesus. One other thing. Look down to verse 16. If we can get this up on screen. All can be united in the church. Look at verse 16, please. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. So the church is to be the example for humanity. And that's almost funny now, isn't it? Because we can't get along with any Christians long enough to work together. And so it's almost funny now, but the church originally in God's plan was to be God's way of showing that men and women, Jews and Gentiles, can get along together. It's hard to believe. You see, God had this plan when people are united in faith, they can get along. When people are united by the blood of Jesus, they can work together. That's God's plan for peace. It's very simple, isn't it? If you'll read scripture, you'll find that God's plan for most of us is really pretty simple. In Jesus, all those things that keep us separate become irrelevant. Skin color, culture, Education, nationality, income, those things that are so important to us are absolutely irrelevant to God because peace that we can have is available because of the blood of Jesus. So, and this isn't on screen, here are a couple things to do. Number one, learn to make the decision to love and accept other people. So when you don't like them, 
suck it up. Choose to love people. When they don't agree with you, and this is, applies to those coming holiday seasons, when you know someone disagrees with you, choose to get along with them, choose not to fight, choose to say graciously, I just disagree, and let it drop. And if they keep coming at you, say, I'm sorry, I would rather talk about something else and do that. And show people that you can disagree and love each other. My liberal family has trouble with that. My redneck family has trouble with that too. And when you're together with them, it's pretty interesting, let me tell you. Because there's tension, because Christians all, it's hard to buy into that whole idea that the blood of Jesus makes us one. But they know it, and it's a challenge. Understand that in Christ, everything that divides us is washed away. That's the church. It's family writ large. On screen is a final thought. Read this with me if you would. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Next screen, please. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. We're going to do something today that's common, but was radical when they began it. We're going to do what they called a love feast, where Christians from all walks of life ate together. Didn't happen in first century Judaism. But Jesus chose a simple meal, and he said, when you get together, take this meal. I'm going to ask that the deacons that are going to help today come forward and get in place. When we share communion in this church, we're saying we are one in Christ because of our faith in Jesus, we are together. Male, female, black, white, liberal, conservative. All those things are irrelevant. We are Christian because we follow Jesus, not because we're smart or anything. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this meal, for what it means to us, for understanding us and challenging us to be better. Help us, Father, to accept what this meal means, to understand that in Jesus we are all united, and help us to live that out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul tells the story, For I also received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The first time I saw these cups, I thought, These are silly. We will never use those. And here we are. In the same way, this is Paul's story, Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
here's what Paul said was the reason for this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The essence of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. Jesus shed blood gave you life. Jesus shed blood cleanses you. And just as importantly, Jesus shed blood gives us a reason to stand together, to love each other, to accept each other, to learn to look past the differences that divide us. In Christ, we are one. All the things that divide us can be laid aside. Would you stand with me, please? taking offering as always and also we'll take a special benevolence offering whenever we share communion so our deacons are going to come and lead us in a closing prayer and my, oh dear there you go and uh, the report from trunks of fun was it was a big success thank you all for coming and we had a lot of kids almost all of them from our child care so that's a first for us so it was a good way for us to reach that community george pray with me please Dear Lord, give us peace, and for each of us, let it start with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 